lovelies, and welcome to LGBT in the ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again on the Outsports Podcast Network, and welcome to our second episode for this week, recapping and running through all of WrestleMania week, or most of WrestleMania week, at least uh, here today. Um, of course, you know, we have our other shows that have gone up today. We had all things Indie Mania uh, with Max Zaleski from Without a Cause uh, Wrestling, um, as well as our WrestleMania Night 1 and Night 2 reviews with Darnell Mitchell from Uncanny Attractions, or previously, previously of Uncanny Attractions, and Patches Chance from Daily DDT, respectively. Uh, but this episode focuses squarely on the single gayest pro wrestling event from the weekend or the week rather um effie's big gay brunch uh, this show was another stellar event from the mind of effie Pero, and anyone else that was on the show and had influence over the show it was amazing i loved every second of it and i am very happy to have uh as my guest to help run through everything on it Poyo del mar the mc of the Big Game Brunch, the first lady of Northern California professional wrestling. Uh, I am ecstatic to have Poyo on the show. You know, we met briefly during uh, the Out in the Rings uh, We Speak Out event, uh, charity event, uh, a couple months back. Um, and since then, I've been looking for a chance to get Poyo on, and this was the perfect opportunity. Who better to talk about this outstanding show with so many statements and moments and and things to really digest and love about pro wrestling than someone who was on the ground and saw them firsthand um you know and not only that but like kept the thing moving kept the crowd alive and really uh brought a different sort of attitude um and atmosphere to that show as well so definitely uh Lean back and get ready, because uh, Polio and I are ready to tackle this wholeheartedly. Uh, so enjoy. What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the Ring. And, of course, we are talking about all things Mania Week this week. And that means that we are contractually obligated to talk about the single gayest pro wrestling event of the weekend, Effie's Big Gay Brunch. Um, and I have, as a special pleasure, uh, my guest to help talk about that show, someone who was there in person, the voice of the show, the first lady of Northern California professional wrestling, Paul Del Mar. Welcome to LGBT in the Ring. Hi, it's such a pleasure to be with you. No, I am, I am stoked. Uh, I have been looking forward to the chance to get to talk to you, and there's no better opportunity than with a show like this that presented such a outstanding spectacle um, as well as out just stellar pro wrestling matches of all different ilks. Um, and you were there in person to witness it all as you were hosting the show as well. Um, so I guess my first question to you before we get into any of the, the matches there, like talk, talk to me a little bit about your experience being there live in person for, for what went down. Oh gosh, that's a, it's, I'm not sure that I even have a full perspective on that experience just yet, you know, mm. because it's so recent. I think that a lot of, for me, it's going to be reflecting. And when, for anybody who's ever participated in a show of any nature, you know, when you're doing it, of course, things you pick up on certain things, like mostly your mind is just in it um, in a very kind of procedural way, right? Because it's like, okay, this is next, this is next, we got to do this, we got to do this. But, 
the experience overall, I, I, I mean, people watching on Fight TV or people who were there in person saw what an incredible show it was for pro wrestling. But for me, I think that my huge takeaway really um, was formed in the dressing room, you know, backstage, because there were so many things that were going on that that were just such a beautiful thing to experience firsthand. Though some of the things that I mean by that were, for many of us, this was the first time performing in front of a live audience in a year, mm-hmm. you know, and that alone was insane. And I think that uh, for some of us, myself specifically, I've spent most of the last COVID era or whatever pretty cooped up, you know, pretty isolated because aside from the time I was spent living with my mom and my nephew in Jacksonville very recently, which people who follow me on social media sort of had some insight into, I live alone. And so I've been very isolated. And for me, this was one of the first signs of normalcy that I've, that I've had and a feeling and sense of normalcy that I've had in a while. But the other part that I meant that was so beautiful was the fact that I think that everyone who was part of this show from top to bottom, whether they were a performer or, you know, a referee, one of the people who are just backstage sort of facilitating every single person had a sense of real love and appreciation and community for what we collectively as LGBTQ members of the pro wrestling world bring to the table. And I think that we wanted to showcase that in the best possible light. And to me, that as a person who was invited kind of out of the blue to be part of this, it was a very mind-blowing experience. It was humbling and beautiful and very, very touching. The, the idea that every single person involved was like really wanting to see the others succeed. It was incredible. No, I mean, I think that's, that's amazing to hear. It sounds very similar to, you know, when I spoke to to Effie Impero after the, like the first big gay brunch back in October um, in Indianapolis. And it was very much a similar talking point coming out of that, just the, the locker room environment and just seeing so much LGBTQ talent in one place and just feeling completely comfortable in that setting amongst each other because like they knew what they were there to do and they were just amongst people that you know recognize themselves and recognize their identities and recognize like everything that is um really plagued the community within pro wrestling for so long it's it's really i i guess just it's it's not surprising but it's also just it's still magical to hear that 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 sort of environment exists um behind the curtain as well as everything that played out in front of the curtain as well. Yeah, it was, I think that one of the things that people who might not be familiar with what it means to be a member of the LGBTQ pro wrestling community might, they, it might be easy to overlook, but the fact of the matter was that we were going out there, each and every one of us to put on a spectacular show top to bottom in the ring. But we also, I think, are keenly aware that this event, Effie's Big Gay Brunch, and it's setting the stage for future shows like this, something that could be ongoing and consistent and not just a one-off every year at WrestleMania or a one-off here and there. We recognize that there is a much bigger picture at play here because what a, a show like Effie's Big Gay Brunch 
does for people who are not supporters of the LGBTQ community, people who would um, perhaps shun us or speak poorly of us or think ill of the idea that people could, from our community could be such contributors to wrestling. What it does for those people is it intensely proves them wrong. Every single person went out there and killed it in the ring. So that's taken off the table. We can perform the same way you can. And then it made money. And for the wrestling world, it's a business. You know, the business of pro wrestling is business and business is about money. And so if something like this can draw money and draw interest, that just shows that um, instead of having one or two, maybe three of us, you know, smattered across shows, that we can come together in much larger capacities and really make money and put on fantastic fucking shows. No, that is that is so true. And I think that that actually you saw that a lot throughout the entire week, really, because like, yes, we had the Big Gay Brunch. We had Alley Cat's Real Hot Girl shit. We had For the Culture. We had all these shows that really showcased, you know, LGBTQ and other marginalized groups within pro wrestling but at the same time i i was like i was trying to do the count in my head earlier today almost every single show that took place in tampa whether it be gcw or iwtv or you know generation championship wrestling down there like almost every single show had like a, at least one and multiple in many cases lgbtq talents on it so where you're already seeing that sort of philosophy bleed out into the greater pro wrestling world in a way, and it's picking up steam drastically. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we may not be getting to see that the way we would like to, meaning we meaning the LGBTQ community, mm -hmm. but uh, we may not get to see that the way we would like to at the larger scales in places like WWE, et cetera. But what is happening is that the independent professional wrestling scene, which in many ways ends up shaping the larger picture um, is starting to just embrace that. It's just becoming a non, I, I don't want to say it's a non-factor, but it's becoming um, an accepted factor that this is, we are here and we are talented and we are skilled and we can tell stories and we can make money. And when it comes down to the most basic element of all things, it's we can make money. No, that is definitely for sure. Um, before we one more thing before we get into matches is I'm curious about how the opportunity came to you to be the host of the Big Gay Brunch. I know you have a relationship with Effie. Um, I know that you uh, definitely gave him a drag makeover, him and Zicky Dice over on Twitch. Yeah. Um, how did how did that opportunity come to you? It, I owe it to Zicky. Really, I owe mm -hmm. Zicky all the credit, um, and then Effie for making that decision and make and extending the invitation, but. Really what it came down to is Zicky and I had done a show together many, many years ago at this point, before he was the Zicky Dice that is the was the must-see television champion of NWA, and before he was must-see Twitch and must-see everything. He was outlandish, but he wasn't outlandish, if you understand what I mean. So it, and when we first met, and so we, we go back a little bit, though our professional relationship did not extend at that time to a personal friendship. So ultimately, when Zicky moved to Atlanta, where Effie also lives, and I happened to be in Jacksonville with, uh, visiting family, they were like, girl, come up and, you know, give us this drag makeover, which is something we have been talking about for at least six months. And so I drove up to Atlanta. And while I was there, you know, I was getting ready for our big broadcast. And I heard from the other room, I've got, like, I'm very good at eavesdropping when I want to be. I can, I don't hear you at all if you need me to hear you. But if you don't want me to hear you, I'm very in tune. But <laughs> so uh, I heard Zicky say, like, Effie, you need to 
put her on your show. Like, are you out of your mind? Like the, everything about her screams, like she needs to be somehow, some way involved with big gay brunch. And that night afterwards, um, Effie came up to me and, and of course, by the way, I just want to put in there that I overheard this and I'm screaming from like two rooms away. He's right. Effie. He's right. <laughs> like, I agree with him, you know, um, do it. But afterwards, Effie came up to me and told me that one of the biggest challenges that he had doing gay brunch was that he was doing everything, you know, he was wrestling and, and um, booking and promoting and, and, you know, basically ring announcing and all he was just, he felt overextended at his own show. And that is the case for any person out there who's ever put on any kind of a show. When you're like the star of a show, the producer of the show, when you're, you've got too many hats, you just feel completely stressed out the entire time. So he was familiar less with my work in professional wrestling, but more so with having produced and hosted my own drag shows for many years and things of that nature. So it's second nature for me to go out and try to, you know, pull in this audience and be very interactive with them. And that's really what he wanted. So ultimately, he asked me, I squealed and cried and then played hard to get, which lasted like one second. I was like, oh, I'll have to check. I can do it. Of course I can do it. Of course I can do it. <laughs> you know, um, and, you know, that's how it came to pass. And wow, to say that I hope that I am forever part of the Big Gay Brunch family is an understatement it was life-changing for me in so many ways no i mean i i definitely feel like you are part of the the fabric of that event now just i don't know it just created a completely different environment from anything else that was really taking place this week to to have you on the show and to have that sort of like that audience interaction as well as you know the mix but it really felt like you were at a drag show in many ways and I think that that adds to the element of what the Big Gay Brunch is supposed to represent. Well, you know, dragon wrestling, and there's a fine line between the two. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, to for the listeners out there, for example, uh, right before we started recording, um, I was asked, like, well, which pronouns should I use? And I, I said very clearly, like, you know, you know, Poyo is a character I play. And she's a she. But I'm not, you know. And they're, like, that's when we talk about, like, the distinction between, for example, like, dragon and gender identity, like drag is what I do, but gender identity is who somebody is. And I, I'm very clear, I identify as male. That character though, which I portray, she's female and she's outlandish and crazy and all these things. And it's just like what we see from so many of the wrestlers, they go out there and they are this amped up like a uh, persona, right? And so there's always been that really fine line between the two. And I think that while what I did at Effie's Big Gay Brunch this past weekend is something that people maybe have never seen before. It's very integral in all the, the, the wrestling shows that I've actually done because that's the kind of role that I played in large part, even though I was more interactive on a local level here in terms of being an actual character that was part of the stories of the show and, and wove it all together. But I think that one of the things that one-off shows like Effie's Big Gay Brunch experience sometimes is that they need that um, through fabric of somebody who is that narrator who's like sort of helping this make sense for people who may be a first-time viewer right so if we were watching this on television we would have that contextual everything we're seeing contextualized by an announcer and um, we don't have that in a one-off show like Effie's Big Gay Brunch so I think that the through thread that I got to play 
as this announcer type of character did help to keep it sort of cohesive and flowing. I, I think that if I were to twist Epi's arm, my goal would be that I would be much more interactive next time, like in terms of with the wrestlers, with the stories, let's, let's really go all in. No, I, I, I'd be here for it personally. I'd love it. <laughs> but speaking of all in, let's jump right into the show. Um, and, and we're kicking off with uh, probably the most, well, I, I don't know if it's the most chaotic match considering what Envy Young and JD Drake did and what Billy Dixon and AJ Gray did. My God. Wow. But um, this boy butter slippery scramble with Ashton Starr, Jared Evans, Alley Cat, the Whisper, Frontman, Jossie, and oh my God, why am I blanking on the sixth person? Killian McMurphy, how could I blank on the shooter? Come yeah, on. well, or as I called him the Shamrock Shocker because somebody <laughs> had written that. The Shamrock Shocker was written in my notes. Um, and, you know, Killian McMurphy is a bona fide prick. So it just did <laughs> not set well with him that I messed up his name, even though it really wasn't my fault. I was just following my notes. And if he was more interesting or more famous, I would know who the hell he is. I mean, it's not my fault. Yeah, it's you know what? He's the captain of the goon squad. Like I think that anything that's gonna be abrasive is just gonna fuel him. So that's that's perfectly fine with me. He put some extra stink on those lariats, I think. He out of it. Actually, um even though I, I I'm joking when I say that I'm not familiar with him or that he's not um successful or famous, because I follow him on social media. He's an inc- just an incredibly talented um in-ring performer, did very, very well during that that chaotic match as one would expect from a boy butter scramble it was chaos and you know i was very excited to see a slippery bottom uh, weasel his way to the victory so congratulations ashton star <laughs> yes ashton star coming out with the victory on this one i i've been like i, I think anybody that listens to the show regularly knows that i am a huge Ashton, Ashton Star fan, and I really enjoyed seeing him continue to rise in profile over the past year. But really, like everyone in this match is outstanding. I was super glad to see frontman Jossie get the opportunity coming off of a, a, a very good year for him um, heading into this. Um, and of course, Jared Evans just knows exactly how to get everyone on his bad side. Yeah, he knows really, Jared Evans really knows how to get under your skin. That's an (laughs) obvious fact. Um, Yeah, and I would love to say that that's um, a gimmick. It's not. He's that person. (laughs) He's that guy. He he was in Wrestle House with us, Brian. So what I referred to all weekend on social media, he was was at Wrestle House. So, (laughs) and he's definitely that person. He was also the first one to get voted off the island. Sorry, Jared. Oh, no. No, he, he had to leave. He was the first one who had to leave. So, uh, well, By honestly, default. following the Wrestle House escapades, it seemed like it was a fun time. While whether, <laughs> no matter how much time he spent there or, or anything like that. So, <laughs> it, it was a, it was a blast. It, that was like definitely next year. I think that we should, um, I think that Effie should maximize his potential earning potential for this event and put in cameras and confessionals at Russell house and um, just have it live streaming the whole day. (laughs) You know what? It would work. It would be, it it would be gold. It would be so like, it would be very, it would totally work. (laughs) And um, everybody there, we uh, surprise, honest to God, we got along so well. Um, Everybody's able to, you know, 
not to break kayfabe or whatever, but you know, every, as I had already said, everybody was there to support each other and to like see each other succeed. And that element at Russell House that we were in, I, for the listeners, what I meant by that is there were seven of us who were sharing an Airbnb. And so I said, oh my God, this is just like Impact's Russell House. I'm just waiting for Tommy Dreamer to pop up and be like, match time. But yeah, it was wonderful. Okay, next match we want to go on. Sorry. Oh no you're, no, you're totally fine. Like I, I've been, I'm enjoying hearing about everything around this because like it's just, I don't know. The whole show was an experience, honestly. So, um, but yes, our next match actually holds an experience as well because Edith Surreal taking on Devon Monroe in a technical masterpiece. Beautiful um, match to watch. Yes. So good. Yes, both of these uh, combatants had previous matches on other big gay shows against Dark Sheik. Um, and arguably both of those matches were show stealers on their respective shows. So yep. of course it made sense to put these two together and they delivered. Um, Edith had an outstanding weekend overall and almost, I love this about watching Edith Surreal. Every time I watch her mat, a match with her in it, um, I see something new, something, something new mat based or new submission. Like it's just, her mind just keeps seems to be just continually spinning and coming up with ideas. And Devon was a perfect opponent, you know, with his lucha high flying style mixed with the technical style. How were you? How did you um, feel about about this one? Well, the as you already mentioned, this was a it it this would be such a great competition to have as part of a story. For example, if we were doing more frequent shows, because as you mentioned. Both of them had come off of show-stealing matches against Dark Sheik. And in both of those matches, Dark Sheik defeated each of these people. So this would have been like the rebound match for one of these two who really needed that win. And that would have been a fantastic story to tell. But I think that both are so talented. And, you know, I'll, my, my own thing, I've been following, of course, um, Edith and Devon both on social media for quite a while and getting to watch some of the incredible things that they have been doing in recent months specifically. And Edith is just blowing up really, really in such a good way. And so right before the show, I went in the bathroom, I was getting ready and I turn and I'm face to face in my first encounter at a sink with Edith Surreal. So, and uh, we had a little you know, we had a little moment, shared a moment there. It was wonderful. But I think that both of these individuals have incredibly bright futures. And I'm looking forward to see where the future does take each of them, because it's clear, as you point out, that each of them is growing exponentially almost by the match. Oh, for sure. And of course, I, you know, I mentioned Edith's big weekend. We can't not mention Devon showing up in the Gray Sweatpants Battle Royal the day before. Um, and just having a stellar performance there amongst so many other <laughs> just wild uh, performances in that match. I was so. mad as hell that I missed that Gray Sweatpants Battle Royal oh. because D Rogue was going to be in it. And I've seen some of D Rogue's uh, videos, we'll say, on um, that's so that makes me sound like such a creeper. He posted the damn video. <laughs> Um, but on social media, I was like, oh, I need to see D-Rogue in the Pants Battle Royal, and I missed it. But um, yeah, I've gotten to, luckily, I've gotten to recap the entire weekend on social media and on, on the different video outlets and things that that, like that, the things are popping up on. So I'm so excited about that. No, yeah, it's definitely one to, to go back and, and check out for sure. Um, but yeah, this match was 
Um, outstanding. Edith comes out with the win, locking in the Venus flytrap and just uh, distorting Devon's knee in a way that I don't want to think about anymore because it makes my knees hurt. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, just outstanding uh, technical match there. Um, and that leads into our, uh, as I guess Big E would say, uh, big meaty men slapping meat match with J.D. Drake taking on the king of the polyam cult, M.V. Young. Um, I, I, I'm just going to throw it to you. I want to hear your thoughts on this match before I say anything, because this was just a, a, a spectacle. It was a hoss fight. Like, yeah. they, you know, they say these were two men out there who are, um, they're not afraid to pull punches you know, or they don't pull punches rather. They're not afraid to just go all in with the fisticuffs. They both, they were letting each other have it. And I think that, you know, it speaks very well of somebody like J.D. Drake, who has recently, very recently been seen on AEW programming uh, to come back and do shows like this with us to continue to support where he came from and, and the people that have known and loved him since before his star really started to rise is it just me or does he legitimately look like he could be related to any of the murdochs like trevor or dirty dick oh totally he, he that that, that, a, that exudes from him absolutely and jd drake is somebody who you know whether people like him or dislike him he busted his ass the entire week he had so many matches just one after another after another and it's not like he let you know managed to slide through any of them he was getting his ass kicked and kicking ass every single outing so the fact that these two were still in the, that horrible midday heat going at it the way they did you know bless their hearts and the people in the audience were the winners really because it was a great match i mean also the fact that most of the match happened amongst the audience i think that oh yeah would, that would help too <laughs> No, I, I th really enjoyed this match. Um, I love just, I know it could be a little bit, I guess, uh, sadist of me, but there is something about just a match that is just violence that really yeah. is intriguing to me. And this was the, the violence without the weaponry because that, that would come later on. Um, yes. Yeah, just these two just wailing on one another for 10 minutes um, was outstanding to watch i love that mv young like got to show that he can hold his own with one of the hardest hitting badass independent pro wrestlers that are out there um and speaking to jd's uh work ethic and and, and the effort that he put into everything on this weekend like this match was 24 hours removed from one of the probably like one of the most hard-hitting matches i've seen in a while with jd drake taking on aj gray at um the action show have fun be sad and to have that performance come like one day before this one and to see just how much they laid into one another was, I don't know. It's just, it speaks volumes about the commitment that JD Drake has to this. And then him giving envy the, the, the rub and the fist bump at the end of this, like the validation there, you know, I know it's a, a kind of a trope in pro wrestling, but it's a trope for a reason in many ways, shape or form. Like you're, that, yeah, that you is, held your own against me. Exactly. You, you impressed me. And whether you impress the audience or not doesn't matter. I'm giving you my stamp of approval because I'm not used to people being able to do what you just did. 
Yeah, exactly. And I love the fact that like Envy Young went on Twitter later on, I think the next day, and was talking about how um, like JD told him after the match, like to follow through with his chops. So he's giving him advice on how to be more violent in the ring. And then he used that in this match against Robert Martyr at Unsanctioned Pro <laughs> later on in the weekend. So like already learning from, from the master. So yeah, like all the, this match was just really fun all around. Yeah, the, the unsanctioned pro match, for those who got to watch that match with um, MV in it, you're welcome. I woke him up and drove his ass to that show because he was so exhausted. I was like, babe, do you need to wake up? You know, like, don't you have a match? And he was like, oh, shit. Um, and, of course, it's impossible to get an Uber during WrestleMania weekend. I was like, I'll drive you. Mama's got you. Mama bear mode activated. Well, I will he, also, you he also wore right my shirt that. into that match. So, hey, I was, I was stoked. There you go. No, like I was saying, like, I'll personally thank you right now for that, because like, I loved the the match with him and, and Robert Martyr there. So thank you for getting him beat to the show. <laughs> it's, um, it's what we do in Wrestle House. Exactly. It's a commitment to one another. Um, and speaking of commitment, I always luck into these good segues for myself. Um, the soul in a pole match with Effie and Ace Perry. Um, this was two years in the making. Obviously, we had Ace Perry losing his soul to Effie at a Bizarro Lucha show back in 2019. And basically, like, he... I love the fact that he came out in, like, the Midsummer um, cosplay. Right. It just spoke so much to the mindset going into this and, and everything that went into this just hardcore brawl um, between these two men. Um, what did you, what, what, do you have any thoughts, um, on, on this match? What were your thoughts? So first of all, I want to share with you one of the, for me, the biggest, um, oh shit moments of this mm. entire week, you know, this event was so in, in fairness to myself, like I follow these various performers on social media, but most I've never worked with or met in person until this past weekend. And so when I was introducing that match, I said, and here, in, you know, and his opponent, the man who's looking to regain his soul. And just then here comes Ace through the curtains in that Midsummer's Night dream type of look. And I turned to the person, the referee, and I was like, did I just misgender someone? Because, oh, no. you know, I was like, I, I don't know what his gender identity is. But for me, the thought of misgendering somebody on a show that is so inclusive and which should be the place where your gender identity is most accepted, embraced, and celebrated. When he came out that way, I was like, um, oh, shit. Um, Thank God I did not because I would have been just heartbroken. I'd have cried in the back. But um, that match, I, I first of all, just so, you know, there's a level of absurdity to this that a pro wrestling fan has to, a true indie pro wrestling fan has to embrace. The fact that they had a pole that was like four foot tall at one point, like Effie's like, you know, reaching for the soul and it's like an inch from his hand i'm like girl just get it but um and then the fact that it was his soul on a pole uh this was a, there was a lot of great bumps in this match 
um, you know, introduction of chairs and some and some pretty violent stuff. But I think that they were just sort of setting the table, if you will, for what was about to come later on as the main course uh, in a different match. But it was it was very very entertaining. The outcome, of course, if if you didn't watch, Ace does win his his soul back, but there's a twist. Do you want to tell him about it? Of course. So Effie, um, I believe Effie retrieves the soul from the pole. Matches it. Yep. Yes. As Ace is trying to slam him off the top turnbuckle and, you know, Ace just screaming in defeat in the corner, um, just broken, just a broken black diamond over there. And Effie, of course, grabs the mic after... <laughs> After I'm yelling to for you to bring the mic um, to him, and it was, it was he just has bipolar disorder or something in the ring. <laughs> I he mean, was he nice did. to me, then he was mean to me, then he was nice to me, then he was mean to me. What a mean daddy! <laughs> I will say this um, on Effie's part: he had just gotten hit in the head with a chair like five times in a row, which Jesus Christ! Um, but still, uh, he gets the mic and basically um, gives a a manifesto in the way that Effie can about, you know, not accepting, like not, not pattering yourself towards other people's expectations, not lowering or, or belittling yourself um, in order to fit someone else's scope, but to build your own scope and to build your own, your own platform to stand on and to do it unabashedly. And in doing that, he like tells Ace, like, yes, like you didn't win the match, but this is what I wanted to see from you. I just wanted you to beat the shit out of me and us beat the shit out of each other and stand up to me. And you did that. And he gives him back his soul as and Ace is left in the ring by himself. And I love the fact that the crowd started chanting Ace's name at this because like it was just oh God, it was such a like a, a like a heartstring pulling moment to see like everything that went into this match and, and to know the story behind it. And also what those words communicate to the audience as a whole, you know, cause a lot of the audience that's tuning into this show are from the LGBTQ community, probably have not really tuned into wrestling a ton or, or at all. And the ones that have like, you know, we have a long history of LGBTQ um, representation and quote-unquote representation that hasn't spoken to the th kinds of things that Effie was saying during this match and, and I think that um, it's a it was a statement coming out of it honestly yeah I mean I think that you know some of the things that were we could be talking about if we were to to name names for example like we as a community celebrate and of course we do somebody the success of somebody like Jake Atlas but he's gone to WWE and they constantly hint at these like he wants to make history how does he want to make history why don't you tell us how he wants to make history you know like what is it oh you want you know all of these things and he's sort of hiding in plain sight versus like just being open about who he is and then moving forward you know or and so it's i, I think that and he also Effie did say that the reason he wanted like to take ace's soul is because having a soul and having you know caring about other people and what you what they want from you and what they expect from you in the world in general can sometimes be a real detriment. Mm. And, and so, you know, he said people, it's a dog eat dog world. And, you know, they'll, they'll eat you alive if you, you know, to get there, get theirs. And so I don't want you to fall into that. No. And I think 
I don't know. It, it's just those words just speak so much to, to so many. And, and that's what that's what I love about pro wrestling is never you can like make a statement that goes beyond what you're watching. And obviously, like, the Big Gay Brunch is kind of predicated on that in a lot of ways. But you still need to put those statements out there on those shows and, and to keep getting those the word out on that. And because it's empowering, honestly, it's empowering to a lot of people. Well, I think that that's absolutely correct because, you know, on one hand, people who watch something like Big Gay Brunch, there's an obvious message that's being sent. There's a lot of us. We're, we're talented. Look what we can do, right? That's part of it. And then the other is the slightly more punk rock version of it, which is where you explicitly tell somebody, like, you have told us, you meaning the general society, you the industry, you the business, you have told us that we aren't good enough and that it, we can only come to play if we change who we are, if we do what you want, if you, we allow you to shape us, if, you allow, um, if we allow you to sort of keep quiet our, our actual identities behind the scenes um, and basically fuck you we don't need to do that look what we're doing on our own like look who we are we're not afraid of it we embrace it we celebrate it we love it and guess what these people here embrace it celebrate it love it also exactly like there there is room for us in this in this place and yeah. like no even if we have to carve it out and prove it to you on, on our own behalf like there is a place here and you're going to get left behind if you don't follow up with us well i don't even think it's about proving it to you like you know when i mm. say you again it's that generalized you i don't think that you know i think that some of us have moved past that it's like it's even more than that. Like we're doing this and we don't have to prove it to you. Who the hell are you to tell us anything? Why do we need your approval? In no, the, that's a very good point. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, no. It's like, you know, approval, neither required nor desired in the famous words <laughs> of another fabulous drag queen. But, you know, it's like, I, I don't need you to validate me. Like I, I don't need to be validated by you. And I, I, you, may not know this and other people who um, are listening may not know this, but I was, I'm, I was super, super, super politically active for a long time here, especially in California, when California passed Prop 8, which initially mm. banned, um, you know, marriage equality, same-sex marriage. And one of the talking points that I said over and over and over was that, you know, equality does not require acceptance require it doesn't require acceptance i don't care if you accept me i don't care if you tolerate me i don't care if you like me i am equal because i can do equal like i i or in the terms of rights like we are created equal and therefore we deserve the same rights in this situation it's like well if you don't want to give us the chance that's fine we don't need you we can make our own and that's why things like effie's big gay brunch are so important is because it's our community doing for our own community no, that's a very, very good point. Very valid point. Like it's, yeah, like, I don't know, I guess like for me, sometimes I, I have thought so much in the context of like other communities accepting um, I, like LGBTQ identities in the way that sometimes it, it 
can be a little bit difficult for me to get outside of that box. But also, like, I think anybody in this community ha- very much has that chip on their shoulder in a lot of ways. They're just like, fuck you, we're going to do it ourselves. Like, if you're not going to, yeah. if you're not going to give it, like, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I'm, I'm, there was nothing really to be said there. Like, I agree with you. And I think that it's one of the things that you will often see among members of our community where we're extreme overachievers because we have to do three times as much just to be considered the same as or acceptable. And, you know, I know for a lot of people, um, and I'll speak only for myself, when I was very young, when I was much, much younger, I really needed that kind of approval because, or that, that sense of acceptance. And now that I'm older, I'm again, it's like back to that thing, like, well, if you don't like it, then I guess I'm not doing it for you. You know, uh, as, a, as a journalist, I write stories and I try not to really imagine who's going to read it. And I don't try to write with like a specific audience in mind because it could maybe limit it. And then there's going to be people, what it means is there's going to be people who pick that article up and I'm like, well, I guess you weren't the one it was intended for if it doesn't hit home with you. No, I, I feel you on that for sure <laughs> as, as a journalist myself. It's like, don't fucking read it. You don't like it, don't read it. Yeah, but also at the or, same time, you should fucking read it because it might open your eyes to something. Uh, most of the time people, in my experience, very, very <laughs> few people want to be educated. Very few people want to learn and grow. A lot of people get very, very confident and comfortable with believing that wherever they are in their personal development is where they are supposed, you know, need to be. Like this is all the more evolved, enlightened, intelligent that I need to be about things. Mm. So, oh, well, one. It reminds help, that actually reminds me of a, a conversation at a Wrestle House between Dark Sheik and myself, hmm. where we talked about how. Like, you know, all of us, we're all human. And so many of us, like all of us, not many of us, all of us have had, has said things, for example, that were ignorant or offensive or short-sighted. And, you know, unfortunately we live in a cancel culture that's like, oh, you said something stupid, like you're canceled. But Sheik and I were talking about how like, you know, being fallible is human, but what is um, important is if you, can say like ooh, you know what i said something i didn't i didn't even know that like that that was offensive or closed-minded or transphobic or racist or a microaggression or whatever the case may be so i'm going to use this as a platform to learn from it so i'm going to listen to the people who were hurt offended disenfranchised by what i had to say and i'm going to take into account what they have to say the next time i open my mouth you know that's how you can redeem yourself from and actually learn and grow from doing something really stupid sometimes. No, I completely agree. Like that's, that's really the the detriment of a lot of the stuff is that like, you know, if you're, you need to grow from your mistakes, you know, and like, I don't know, like I, I couldn't say it better than what, than how you said it. Uh, so yeah, that's just something that needs to carry forward out of this, um, out of every experience, really. It's just lo- see what you can learn from it. And see how you can grow personally from it. All right.
Alright, Yens, thank you so much for tuning in to LGBT in the Ring. Uh, we'll get right back into the thick of things, but I do want to take a pause real quick and say thank you to some amazing people that make this show as rad as it is. Starting off with Daniel Quasar, the Progress Pride Flag designed by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at quasar.digital. A big thank you to Sarah in the Safe Word for the show's theme song, Formula 666, off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, and you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahinthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Um, check out independentwrestling.tv for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. Uh, you can use our promo code LGBTRingPod or visit tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT and get a five-day free trial and peruse their entire library uh, over there at independentwrestling.tv. Once again, promo code LGBTRingPod or go to tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT and get five days free. Check out that service. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at LGBTRingPod. You can follow me on Twitter at WonderboyOTM. And if you're into video games, definitely check out my video game news show, the Mr. Video Game Super Show. I co-host that with uh, Twitch streamers Slacker Kite and Lady Merwin every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over on twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Uh, it's your weekly roundup of gaming news, uh, and it's always a blast. So once again, check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Sun like the star. We'll be right back with more LGBT in the ring. Who's our next match? Oh, this is going to be a fun segue from from awesome, uh, empowering personal growth talk to the Twink Gauntlet. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm okay. So obviously, we had the last Twink Gauntlet at the at the first Big Gay Brunch, where Paro ran through unlimited Twinks until ultimately falling to Devon Monroe. There. Um, but this time around, Pero brought Odinson, and we had to complete the end to take on a number of tag teams here. Um, uh, we had Petty and Pink, who I know you have uh, a little bit of a thing with. Uh, They're petty. <laughs> They're very, very, very petty. And Kinsey Page, Dylan McQueen, hashtag baby, if you're listening, you're petty. <laughs> I don't know if they're the baddest bitches, but they're definitely the biggest bitches. So, well, they got they got theirs though. Uh, going up against uh, they sure did. Aaron Odinson. <laughs> I've watched the GIF of Dylan McQueen getting choke slam probably a dozen times at this point. It's just a thing of beauty. Love you, Dylan, but oh, just pure brutality. <laughs> um, but also we had the runway, Tyler Klein and Calvin Couture returning after. The, celebrating getting choked out by Pero at the first Twink Gauntlet. They came back with the, the intent to seduce. That lap dance series had me rolling. <laughs> Those two trying to lap trying to lap dance on Pero had me rolling. And Odinson finally was like, enough. He was done. As soon as he was done, so were they. I mean, oh, you can way. see you could see that like that uh Tyler and Calvin were getting to Pero's weakness. Like Pero was just almost entranced 
by them going full Montero on him. <laughs> so I don't blame Otisip for like trying to, to keep his tag team partner from being distracted there, but it was just, uh, and like, I love the fact that he had the callback to the great sweatpants battle Royal too, with the, like kicking in with genuine as well for that whole segment. Just, it was just, uh, it was so good. The magic Mike moment. Yes, for sure. And then after the runway was, uh, taken out we saw the bitcoin boys eric taylor and mikey montgomery um come in and get super collided out of their shoes um <laughs> which i don't know i've i haven't seen a ton of the bitcoin boys i know they're like relatively new on and on the come up in a lot of the independent world but i really enjoyed seeing them here for the the short amount of time that we did get with them uh, have you? How are you? How familiar are you with with the Bitcoin Boys heading in before watching this match? Um, well, uh, not familiar enough to be slapped with a sexual harassment suit. So, um, but <laughs> but next time I'll try harder. But um, the you know one of the things I'll say about this is that I'm a huge fan of of tag team wrestling. Always have been. And when I was a child, my dream was to grow up and. Um, be nominated for manager of the year and pro wrestling illustrated for managing tag teams and so for me this was a real treat because i loved getting to meet and see different tag teams from around the country come together in their effort to upend the end at the pink at the twink gauntlet so the bitcoin boys were um i i mean i don't i don't know a lot about their actual um past matches but i know that they did very well. They looked great together. I I hope that, you know, as we come together uh, again in the future, that they'll have gotten a little bit more experience and we can really find a great place for them. Yeah, for sure. And I know that now that AIW is running a little bit more with their new Go For Broke series, we'll probably get a chance to see more of the Bitcoin boys. They like to, they pop up there a good amount. So maybe we'll get a chance to check out more of their stuff now that AIW is back. Um, and then, of course, uh, we had... <laughs> Gregory Iron and Shane Black. Mike, I don't even really know what to say about Gregory Iron's involvement in this match. It was just... So I can tell you what to say about it. Yes, please. Gregory Irons comes up to me backstage and he's like, hey, Poyo, how can I... Do you, can you tell me how to tape so that my balls don't hang out the bottom of my thong? <laughs> and I said, honey... What kind of person doesn't want their balls to hang out the bottom of a thong? <laughs> love it. So, um, love it. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, you know, the only reason Gregory was doing this is because he'd lost a previous match to Effie and had to be Effie's bitch. So, you know, Effie had him out there commanding him, basically leading him to his own doom. Oh, definitely. And honestly, like, Gregory was supposed to be meant for the Doom, but let's be real, Shane Black probably took the most spectacular, or one of the two most spectacular uh, shots in this match when Odinson hit him with that F-10 and just flung him almost into the Tampa sign. My God. Well, for somebody who labels himself a, a super heavyweight, like, you know, like Black does, then that was just shocking that Odinson had so much strength. Oh, He's a, he's a big boy. And a hot one. He's so sexy. Oh, my God. And then, of course, we close out with the bad bitches, Jay Vidal and Parada, fighting out of uh, the Las Vegas scene. 
I was so stoked whenever I saw the announcement that they were going to be on this show because um, the Doll and Parada have been like, I won't say they're like secrets, but they're very like well kept in that area over there. And I'm glad to see them breaking out like a lot of the people in the Vegas scene are um, over the past year. And it was just awesome to see them get us get this this spot, this shine, and honestly, like really have the best chance of knocking off the end here. Um, ultimately, and they did really well against the end. Yeah, no, it was outstanding. I, um, how familiar are you with the with the Vegas scene, and, and were you like were you excited to see uh, Jay and Parada show up here? Well, I was excited. I especially was excited because of the fact that they were ultra ultra sweet backstage um and i had a they were very playful and i love that because i have a tendency to be overly playful with people when i first meet them because it's my way of diffusing nerves and they were really really adorable um the vegas scene is starting to pop and again dark chic and i were talking about this at wrestle house because dark chic who is based originally in oakland um very very near me has not so long ago relocated to vegas and the, the scene in Vegas is popping. A lot of our Northern California buddies are moving over there. Um, there's a lot of localized talent. And uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that since it's so nearby Northern California and California in general, that perhaps I'll get to cross paths with um, Vidal and Parada again in the, the future in a more professional environment in Vegas. No, I look forward to that. I'd really love to see you and Jody uh, have an interaction because... I don't know. Jody is just uh, a very interesting figure, to say the least. Uh huh. <laughs> There's a lot of opportunities that are about. The opportunities are abounding, don't you think? Oh, for sure. For some great stories. Definitely, definitely make it happen, FSW. Um, and of course, that leads into our next match with the aforementioned Dark Sheik taking on AC Mack. Um, obviously, like being in the Bay Area, like you are, like I'm sure that you have had more than your fair share of time spent with Dark Sheik, you know, with Hood Slam running in Oakland there. Um, what was it, what's it been like for you to see Dark Sheik, like not just this show, but see see her on all of these big gay brunch shows, these like national shows, knowing what she has built in in, Hood, in, in Oakland with Hood Slam and to get the recognition um, that she very, very well deserves on these national stages. You know, I, I was asked not that long ago um, in a different interview what match I was looking forward to the most at this show. And I said that for me, it was getting to see Dark Sheik in action. And so um, for the listeners, you know, Dark Sheik was based out of Oakland, right across the bridge from San Francisco, which is where I'm based out of. And Dark Sheik has amassed one of the most spectacular collections of talent and a humongous underground following for her Hood Slam events. And Hood Slam has taken on a level of notoriety and legend that is uh, mind-blowing in the Bay Area. But the reason that I specifically was so excited to see Sheik perform this particular weekend, this past weekend in Tampa, is because, you know, Sheik is going through a time of self-discovery and like and renewal and transformation um and transition um and so for me after having seen 
she performed so many times. This was the first time I really got, well, first of all, it was the first time we ever roomed together, which was, I, if, if she's listening, I love you, Sheik, I love you so much. Um, but this was the first time I got to see Sheik perform as her authentic self. And it's not the first time that she's gotten to be herself in front of an audience that loves her for just exactly who she is. But this was my first time getting to see that. So that to me was really, really meaningful. I can't personally imagine how affirming that must be to have audiences that value and appreciate what you contribute, not, you know, based on anything necessarily about a physical presentation. And to say that Sheik and Mac went out there and killed it on Saturday would be understatement. It was really, really good. Sheik is brilliantly talented and not just in the ring. I want to remind everybody, she has got like this incredible mind for things that are outside the box. And I think that's because she is Iranian and trans and all of these things that, you know, doesn't get reflected very often in our communities. And so she naturally thinks outside the box and it just is brilliant to watch. No, I definitely agree. Like, honestly, up until the main event of this show, like I thought that, you know, Sheik and, and Mac was probably the show stealer, like right there with, with Edith and Devon, honestly, yeah. like those two matches just were just mind blowers. Like you said, and I, I, you know, I'm originally from the Atlanta area, so, like, I'm on the West Coast now, but I'm so happy to see what AC Mac has been doing in Atlanta and the surrounding area down there. Um, really kind of helping to, re along with other people like Ashton Starr and David Ali, revitalize that scene um, in, in a way. And also now that it's happening there, he's starting to get recognized and put on shows throughout the country. And uh, Mac held his own against uh, a 20-year vet in Dark Sheik who can bring it on any day of the week. I like this was just it was hard hitting, it was high flying, it was technical, it was dirty, it was just everything you want out of a out of a stellar pro wrestling match. Absolutely. And and um Mac was a dick to me before the show and uh, we made up after. Well, I'm I'm glad to hear y'all made up. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. He's he all right by me. Good. Well, I guess that takes us to the match that ended up topping all others, honestly, for me, at least. Uh, Terrifying. Um, oh, my God. I, I the can I just say that? So um, Effie. In a in a benevolent turn from Daddy Effie, he came out and threw me out of the ring as the ring announcer for this one, because I think he was afraid of what was going to happen from go. He's mm. like, I don't think I don't think this bitch can get out of the ring fast enough for this before it pops off. And watching what I saw happen, I was glad I was not there. You know, I was, I was gonna ask if if there was a reason why Effie replaced you as ring announcer before heading into this match. So yeah, I just think that it was because of the fact that, you know, um that he was afraid for me. <laughs> like, I think he was afraid for me. <laughs> like <laughs> that I would get caught in the crossfire. Mm -hmm. I mean, knowing and, how that match opened, like, I don't blame him at all. Um, yeah, I like I'm I'm way, way, way too gorgeous to have like light bulbs thrown into my face or any of those things. So, <laughs> no, I'll, hard pass. Thank you. 
Well, of course, we are talking about the pup collar match, Billy Dixon against AJ Gray, and just my God, it lived up to the the moniker that it that it uh, brought. I mean, you think of a, a dog collar match, a pup collar match in this instance, and you think blood and brutality and violence, and this was that in buckets, in 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 many ways. Um, Billy, in Honestly, he's had so many outstanding performances, uh, not just in the past year, but, you know, throughout his career so far. But this was something else completely. Like, this was something that I knew that Billy had it in him, but to see it actually play out was amazing. It was it was artistry. I think that um, for people who were likely watching this in the audience and at home on Fight TV... I think that this could have been an extremely hard match to watch at times. Oh, and, sure. you know, I was standing in the, you know, in the wings watching absolutely aghast. Just like when, when AJ took the broken light tube and was grinding it into Billy's forehead and, you know, all the blood was just like gushing out. It was mortifying. And um, a side note about this Effie told me, Effie's brother was at the show. Effie's real brother was at the show watching. And when it came to this particular match, his brother pulled him aside and he's like, how are they getting that red stuff all over them? And oh. Effie's like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, you know, like, how, how are, like, where is it coming from? And Effie's like, hello, they're gushing blood everywhere. You know, his brother was, of course, like, under the impression that this shit was, like, so fake that they, you know, it's like, no, they're like, we call it the heart, they're hard weighing out there. They're like just going at it. Like they're, it's happening. Um, and so um, th- th- it was brutality. It was, the, and the part that killed me about it was l- the least amount of brutality actually came from the damn chain. There was like, <laughs> there was so many bulbs and glass pieces of glass and like all this other, oh God, it was just, it was, it was rough. It was rough. No, it, it it definitely was rough, and I definitely second you. Like, if you're not like a, if if the deathmatch accoutrement is not something that is is to your liking, like this is a is a can be a hard set. Um, but the statement, much like Effie and Ace Perry, the statement in this match was, um, I think superseding anything that you saw. Honestly, the fact that Billy dragged AJ out down the entryway in front of Brett Lauderdale, the owner of GCW and was screaming at him um, while like just beating the tar out of AJ Gray, beating the tar out of one of his top stars, a former GCW heavyweight champion um, was just, I don't know. There's something about that moment that just spoke to me and spoke so much to the kind of ethos that Billy has put out there, you know, whether it be like interviews with me or interviews with anybody else, or just talking about his own, experiences in pro wrestling um and you know the acceptance of the community and you know multiple underrepresented communities in pro wrestling uh there was just that that moment spoke to me and just really kind of i think embodied so much about what this match was set to accomplish right you know it's one thing to have and this is no in no way shape or form to um to diminish how incredibly talented like Devon or Ashton are like, but Ashton and Devon, I think 
if you were to think like gay wrestler, like that might be what comes to mind, right? Like more effeminate, more um, whatever the case, more acrobatic, all of these things. Like, and then this was the embodiment of like, let's break some real stereotypes. The person who is a convergence, somebody like Billy, who is a convergence of all of these marginalized communities that like queer and black and, and, and to say like, you don't know you don't even know what you're dealing with here like look what i'm willing to do like look what i'm willing to do to to get your attention look what i'm willing to do to get noticed look what i'm willing to do to be my best look what i'm willing to do to succeed and so you know i'll you can put me in here with anybody and i'm going to do whatever it takes and i will defy your expectations and i will break your stereotypes so good on you billy Yes, yes, for sure. Um, unfortunately, obviously, AJ does wrap the chain around his arm and hits, I believe, three lariats to, to put Billy away. Although Billy kicked out of two of those, um, which, you know, AJ Gray's lariat is no joke, obviously. Um, but honestly, it didn't even matter who won this match because, like, the lasting image and probably the, the image that sticks with me as much um coming out of that is the post match for this where Effie's in the ring AJ and Billy are embracing while you know AJ and Effie are holding up Billy's arms and just talking him up hyping him up and they Effie and AJ leave the ring and leave Billy alone to soak everything in and the entire crowd is chanting Billy's name on this show like that that moment to me like I it almost brought a tear to my eye honestly to see that as the, the closing image of the show. Well, again, you, when you say that it doesn't, it almost didn't matter who wins this, like it, the, the, the actual pinfall doesn't matter because what this did for Billy, Billy, as I just said, you know, like he, this is what he's, these are the links that he's willing to go through to prove, not to, to prove, um, to gain acceptance, but to, to prove his legitimacy. Like legitimacy is something different. Like legitimacy is just like a proven fact. Like I am legit. Um, I don't need you to accept me or understand me or embrace me. I'm legit. All you have to do is acknowledge that I'm, a, I'm legit. And I just, he proved it. You know, he can stand in there with the, the toughest that GCW has to offer and go toe to toe with them in a bloody massacre and and then still come out at the end still standing no and like it the whole moment just really fits so well as like an answer to billy's promo at for the culture whenever he jumped aj gray heading into this um like his his pipe bomb moment telling aj gray like you slept on me like literally slept on me by not showing up at the last uh big gay brunch for for that big sgc match so like i don't know it just it was the perfect way to end this show. Billy won. Fuck a pinfall. Billy won. You know? Well, yeah. So I think that a lot of times, quite honestly, the victory is much bigger than who wins or loses. Yes. You know, I like watching or rather listening all the time as I do to the Busted Open podcast. One of the things that Billy Ray always says, and it's very true. Um, wh what is the last image that they, that the person sees? The last image that we saw wasn't, you know, Billy taking the, the fall to AJ. It was Billy standing in the ring, victorious, covered in blood with his arms raised. Yeah. No, and, and it's the perfect way he's to been, end it. 
yeah, he was legitimized. He was elevated. He, he's like, he's the real thing. And, you know, he went home and he's like still tweeting about how he's the whole fucking business. And, <laughs> you know, and, you know, he's the real fucking deal. And this and that. And that's very, very Billy. And, <laughs> you know, it's he has every reason to feel that way right now. Absolutely. Oh, and, and, a, and a three count doesn't doesn't change that. No, not at all. Not at all. So that that was the big gay brunch. Um, obviously, there was some some statements made, awesome matches. What was your like overall takeaway or like final takeaway from participating in the event and and watching the event unfold? Um, if I like you know if you're talking about a, like a takeaway from a match or a this or a that, I, I don't think that that's. I, I don't think I have the ability to effectively say something like that my my takeaway from the whole thing was um what an incredible amount of lgbtq plus talent there there is in the world of professional wrestling the fact that we were able to fill that whole show and not just fill that show but we could have filled three shows like that and never repeated a performer you know there's so many people out there who are so talented in our community so that's one big takeaway and the other takeaway that i i have from that event really has happened after the fact on social media where one after another after dozens after five dozens or whatever of people who were spectators live and in person talked about the atmosphere of inclusion and acceptance that they felt there how they as people whether they're lgbtq or not have never felt so accepted acknowledged and seen as fans of professional wrestling as they were at that particular event that is earth shattering to me because I have gone so many times as a fan of professional wrestling and sat in audiences at shows where I felt like I couldn't be myself. I had to turn down the volume on just who I am, whether that's the gayness, the femininity, the, the whatever, don't be too much. Cause they, you know, just accept being here and be cool with that. Um, and to know that we created an environment both for our competitors and the audience where everyone who was there could be 100% authentically whoever it is that they are and be who makes them comfortable being, that is so rewarding. It's so, you know, so enriching. And um, it's inspiring both as an entertainer and a fan of wrestling. Oh, couldn't said it better myself. Completely second everything there. Polio, thank you so much for, for coming on the show and, you know, relaying your own experiences and, and helping to, to kind of parse through all the exquisite meaning that comes out of this show. Um, let everybody know where they can find you online. Yeah, so um, I'm really pimping my Instagram right now. I'm like, the, I'm at the cusp of a big milestone uh, on there. So I'd love people to follow me on Instagram. It's Poyo Del Mar fans. That's P O L L O D E L M A R F A N S. And if you're on Twitter, like Twitter's blowing up right now because of Big Gay Brunch. So join in on that conversation. You can tweet me at the Glamazon PDM, PDM, like Poyo Del Mar, the Glamazon PDM. And I've got to let y'all know I had that nickname before RuPaul. I had it before Beth Phoenix. I'm that Glamazon. So the original Glamazon. Exactly. Thank you. Hell yeah. Well, thank you again, Poyo. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Thanks to everybody who was at Big Gay Brunch. 
thank you, Effie, and everyone who was on that show. It was just, yeah, it was it very much uh, changed me in a really positive way. So thank you. My thanks once again to the original Glamazon, the wonderful Poyo Del Mar, for coming on the show and talking all things Big Gay Brunch with me here. Um, just what what an amazing show. And, and real quick, shout out to Ace Perry and Effie. I don't know between the two of you whose idea it was to use a Yu-Gi-Oh card as the representative uh, token of, of Ace Perry's soul, but just mwah, change of heart indeed. Just lovely. Um, Thank you for listening to uh, this to today's show, one of four shows that have gone up today. Um, definitely check out our uh, Indie Mania, talking about everything from the collective, uh, IWTV, Showcase of the Independence, um, and everything in between with Max Zaleski from Without a Cause Pro Wrestling uh, over here in the Pacific Northwest. Um, also, don't forget about WrestleMania Night 1 and Night 2, our shows with Darnell Mitchell and Patches Chance that are, are available today. And come back next week because we're not done with WrestleMania week. Next week, we're talking about For the Culture. We're talking about Alley Cat's uh, Real Hot Girl shit. And, of course, we are sitting down with uh, Leo London, independent pro wrestler Leo London. So we have a lot of stuff, uh, not just today, but coming next week for you as well. Um, so while you wait to uh, press play on the next episodes or the other episodes that you haven't missed, that they haven't checked out from today, uh, let me just uh, say, um, until then... Stay messy, wash your hands, wear your mask, and in the words of Billy Dixon, black motherfuckers draw money. Everybody's ready to die. Bye.